And welcome back to Truth Hurts. We expose corrupt politicians and lying corporate media. I'm Jake Duesenberg. We're broadcasting from Roseville, Minnesota. It's actually pre-recorded because we didn't want to come into studio day on the 4th of July. Um, but I think you'll appreciate what we got in store for you. Joining me as always, the political junkies led by Mega Jesse. How you doing there, buddy? Yep, doing good. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Well, it's with the low energy over there. <laughs> we, we need to get some energy drinks back over in this studio. I was telling you, it's an investment. Really, I mean, it really is investment. Uh, people working here. I know, no kidding. And as you guys all know, you're listening to Mr. Straightlace himself, William Beck, who we call the blonde Matt Walsh. That's what I hear. That's <laughs> what I hear. Running the dials as always is Deep State Dawson. Uh, still with the tank top on. Look at that flex there. Now, of course, this is pre-recorded. So on the Fourth of July, what are you going to have? Another inch on those biceps? I, I do not know. All I know is that the gym is open from 9 to 3, so I have to get in somewhere there. Oh, well, it's not that important of a day, right? Fourth of July. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, pr- I'm practicing my Second Amendment right to have my guns out. <laughs> I was going to need to see your permit for those things. No. <laughs> what, what are the odds that Dawson actually thinks this document has the Second Amendment in it? Has the right to bear arms. I don't he's, he's, he think, I think he thinks that, yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You know, I was just talking about uh, on Twitter. Did you see that we talked about how Minneapolis, again, doesn't have fireworks? But, man, just think the expense that they did for Pride Month, you know? like They uh, ran out of money for the fireworks. I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> they probably used all the fireworks for that. Right. Well, joining us today to explain the declaration, the founding of this country, I could think of no one better than him. Well, actually, let me think. I could probably think of three people better than him. But I couldn't get those guys. So I went to an old buddy from college. Now, Dave Benner is actually uh, very smart when it comes to the founding documents, when it comes to um, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the ratifying convention. Um, This guy has talked my ear off many times over beers, over coffee, over everything possible. I've known him for, what, geez, 20 years or so. He is an author, author of many great books. This is the Compact of the Republic. This is the... uh, the paperback edition um god this was a couple years ago this is such a great book if you want a book to understand the founding of this republic this is the book to read i'm telling you this is a really good book his newest book on thomas Paine just came out this year so he's an author he is a scholar constitutional scholar he's also running the libertarian party the national libertarian party's twitter account so if you like those tweets you know the guy behind it so welcome to the show dave benner yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's a total honor. It's been a long time since I've been back there, but it's uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show. And I've followed kind of what you've been doing in the, the last years and really proud of you, man. You're doing a good job up in Minnesota. Well, I'm proud of you. We used to uh, do like speaking circuits together and you would talk about the Constitution. I would talk about economics, uh, <laughs> centralized economic planning and the, the Federal Reserve's decisions. And now I think going back on that it's just crazy how things have gotten so much worse and i think we got to have you more often but the problem is you left minnesota many years ago so you're now living in nashville where i get random texts from you about the latest hot chicken you're eating is it really that good it's great man but hey the fault lies upon the government of the state of minnesota not me <laughs> um they're the transgressor i'm the one that's just trying to get out of the way so well, I think liberty is so precious that you either move to where it's welcomed or you stand up and fight against it, which I guess would be a great segue into what we want to talk about because we're celebrating Independence Day. 
not just the 4th of July, Independence Day, right? Now, I know a lot of people, like, when it comes to Memorial Day, go, oh, you got to remember the people that died. And yes, 100%, Memorial Day is an important day. But those people that died, especially from my generation as I served overseas, want you to barbecue. They want you to have beers. They want you to do that kind of stuff. And, of course, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that on the 4th of July, but I think that it's missing the importance of that day. And so the reason I wanted to have this show, and I think people will like this, um, we've gone so far away from the founding of this country, and, of course, independence uh, uh, of this country or, or um, the Declaration of Independence predates the founding of this country, which I think you'll get into. But it's that we don't talk about this stuff too often. And I think it's very applicable all this time afterwards. So I was thinking maybe every Independence Day I need to start a tradition. And my oldest son's already getting to the age where we could do this, where we read the Declaration of Independence. So tell people, what is this document that they probably haven't even read since the fourth grade? Tell us about the the uh events that led up to it and what this thing means sure so put in the most succinct way possible it's an ordinance of secession many people refer to it as a founding document but i think the opposite is true it's more or less a defounding document that you know called for the absolute separation of the american colonies now states from great britain it didn't found a government it didn't ascend to a particular union in fact there was no american union of any kind until the articles of confederation were ratified in 1781 but it was the product of kind of a long train of usurpations and abuses as the document itself puts it um, the run-up to this document was interesting. In fact, after the battles of Lexington and Concord, there was a faction in the Continental Congress that wanted reconciliation. And reconciliation with Great Britain was an awful popular idea, believe it or not. Amongst most circles, that ended up producing what was called the Olive Branch Petition, which essentially kind of acknowledged the legitimacy of George III. But by the time that the summer of 76 rolled around, three states prior to the Declaration of Independence declared independence on their own, Rhode Island, Virginia, and North Carolina at least. There might be one more. Um, but at that point, it was known that Virginia's delegates to the Continental Congress had been given instructions to present this resolution. And Richard Henry Lee, famous statesman of that time, was the one that presented it. So the goal was to create a committee of five members. It included Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Robert Livingston, um, Roger Sherman and Benjamin Franklin to draft a succinct reasoning for which this resolution should be passed. The point of which was that this would be read in public gatherings, but the point of it was to be sharp, simple, concise, but it ended up being, you know, one of the most important, most widely recited, most um, known about uh, kind of documents in American history. Hope that helps. Yeah, very good. So we all know the uh, infamous line, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Property, I think, as Jefferson originally wrote, right? Locke wrote that in the second oh, treatise of civil government. I don't think Jefferson originally wrote that, but it, that's a Lockean phrase indeed. And Jefferson later said in life that there wasn't really a single new idea expressed in the Declaration. He had essentially been picking from... You know, his heroes from the past, which was Locke, Algernon, Sidney, etc. Um, Look at that. He's like a live fact checker. Don't you love that? I got to <laughs> tiptoe around this stuff. See, I know the Constitution, the founding documents very well. And then I get where I'm bending. I'm like, crap. <laughs> uh, let's just listen to what he has to say. He studied a lot more than me. So everyone knows that line. It's a great line. 
right? Like, first of all, um, our rights don't come from government. They come from a creator, a god, right? Or they come from just humanity. They come from nature. It, pre it predates government, right? That's an important thing. And amongst those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But Well, Joe Biden says that we were created by the thing, remember? <laughs> the, you, the you know, thing. you know, you know, the thing. The thing. The thing. <laughs> and then abandoned that sense halfway through. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting because we're so used to doing the show live, so I don't know what Gaffney's going to have in the next couple of days. But in the last 24 hours, he's twice said Putin is losing in Iraq. I mean. Oh, he said it a second time? I yes, didn't see the... barely said it twice already. It's oh, so funny. crazy. Kind of a Freudian slip for the U.S., I guess. Oh, man. Mm. Uh God, Benner, we could have you on with so many topics. You and I having a conversation <laughs> on Ukraine the other day. That'd be great. But let's stick to the Declaration of Independence because this is such an important um, day. But as you allude to, they talk about more things. And I just feel like people haven't read this and they don't hone on this because there's such insurrectionist tones in this document. And I'll read on, but when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. I think those are such strong words, and at some point, our country is just going downhill so quickly, and we could, I mean, just watch all of our shows. We talk about these things. Talk about that language and the mentality of these people that, that, that wrote those things. It essentially justifies secession. That's what it is. And it didn't start in this document. Uh, both Sidney and Locke had written in their, you know, respective treatises on government that when a government stops, you know, going to lengths to protect life, liberty, and property, that's the people's last recourse. And this idea is as American as apple pie. In fact, it actually is more American than apple pie because apple pie wasn't even popularized until after this. So this was really the original American credo, the American maxim. Um, nothing was more radical um, than this. You know, when Thomas Paine wrote Common Sense in late 1775, some of his opponents, um, after he called for this kind of separation, accused him of being a, quote, crack brain zealot for democracy back then being called a democrat was as offensive as being called a white supremacist today so <laughs> great great what i like that you're i didn't think i was gonna do this in reference to your, your first book right um but compact to the republic it's a great argument i think this is if i remember it's been a while since i read this a couple of years but the central theme is that this is a compact of the states not just one nation, right? One nation under God, indivisible, right? It's a compact of states that join this thing voluntarily. So when a government is destructive to those means, are you arguing that Texas, for instance, should secede or can secede from the nation? Yeah, in fact, I don't even think there's a nation. I think it's a union of states, and I know what you're getting at there, so I'm not just trying to you know, be a autistic about it but absolutely and in fact during the ratification conventions delegates were told they could do this in fact you can see this in three of the ratification ordinances the ones for virginia rhode island and um i believe north carolina's the other one uh actually it's new york new york where it it specifically says that the powers delegated to this government can be rescinded if this government becomes destructive to individual liberty and public happiness, essentially. I'm paraphrasing, but check those out. Um, also, the Constitution doesn't prevent the states from doing this. We have a Tenth Amendment that says all powers not articulated 
as being delegated to the federal government are to be controlled by the states and the people. And Article 1, Section 10 says all the things that the states can't do. So because this is not something listed in Article 1, Section 10, and because the 10th Amendment exists, every state has this right. And it's not just the states that originally ratified because each state enters the union upon equal footing. It's called the equal footing doctrine. It's something that Jefferson argued late throughout his life when the Missouri crisis occurred and thing and uh, some other situations like these this is something that the states have as a primal primal right and justification to withdraw from tyrannical governments what do you got William so I, yeah just clarifying on that because I thought after the Civil War they introduced new amendments that would essentially prohibit secession am, am I wrong on that you're wrong as far as the amendment. There was a famous case called Texas versus White that had opined, the Supreme Court opined that, it didn't opine that secession was impermissible. It opined that secession is permissible, but to do so, you have to have all the consent of all the other states to dissolve the union. Now, this is a post-ratification, post-coercive you know, coercive war opinion that has no bearing in originalism, and it doesn't controvert the constitution no supreme court opinion can do that um so yeah the federal government continues to maintain you can't do this but it also maintains the opinion that you you know can't have an automatic weapon i think that contravenes the original intent of the second amendment too so i I see what you did there you really put him in the test he comes on here as a originalist and a founding uh expert but you want to throw a civil war thing on it it was pretty good there. He didn't know that was coming. Did he not? <laughs> well, I was genuinely curious. Um, Look, you've established some credibility off the bat there, Ben, or like the fact that he would throw a whole, was that almost a uh, century later, <laughs> throw that at you? That's pretty impressive, right? Well, no, I mean, he, William's right. I mean, this is what the, the opinion that the feds maintain. It's just not codified in, in amendment form at all. They did have the 14th Amendment, which nullified Confederate debt, but that's really and um, some other provisions to it, but nothing in regard to prohibiting secession. Well, let me throw another curveball at you, Benner. Uh, You know, sorry, I I call him Benner. We go back, you know. So Dave Benner, David Benner. What do you have on your book? David Benner. Sorry, it sounds like I'm talking to your dad now. (laughs) Uh, I know his whole family, by the way. So (laughs) Um, what about succession of states? Have you ever looked into that? A lot of people, they see what's going on in Minnesota. Obviously, you're intimate to this thing. If you just carve out Hennepin and Ramsey County, but maybe in a couple of the other ones, you know, you change the dynamics pretty big here. Let's let that monstrosity in Hennepin and Ramsey County go down the shithole. The rest of the state would be much more productive and better off. Have you ever looked into that internally within the states? You know, that's the biggest impediment, I think, to modern secession efforts in the U.S. is that the divide isn't so much regional anymore or sectional. It's actually rural versus urban. Mm -hmm. And you kind of just hit that that nail on the head right there. That's the biggest impediment. Right. So this would be easier if there was such a northern southern divide. And there still is to some extent, like you can just tell it, you can smell it in the air in the south compared to the north. But really, most metropolises are very left leaning. Most you know, rural areas are very right-leaning. So it's an impediment. It's a difficulty in in the mix. But, I mean, states like uh, Britain and European Union, some European Union members have realized, like, it's still actually possible. I mean, I can't tell you how much the power holders regret the fact that that was put up to a referendum in Britain. And that was peaceful. That was a political union. It wasn't really the same necessarily as the U.S., but that union was... You know, Britain unilaterally withdrew. 
So. Yeah, and, and by the way, for the FBI watching here, looking at this insurrectionist talk, which is in <laughs> our, you know, not founding document. I almost said it, Benner. You would have corrected me. But in our succession document, secession document, that uh, this is insurrectionist talk. This is violent. But, my God, we would hope this stuff is done peacefully. But here's a line, and this is right after the pursuit of happiness. It says that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Anyone feel like that's happening these days? I mean, <laughs> It's the consent of Pfizer and Raytheon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Mm-hmm. Beautifully stated. It's the, it's the <laughs> pharmaceuticals and the military-industrial complex that make all the calls these days. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and institute new government. I think that's where this thing's heading, you know? Um, I think we got a great constitutional republic, the framework, the foundation of it. I think the Constitution is a great document. I think the Bill of Rights further protects those rights. But it's like, and I think this was a line you used to tell me, um, correct me if I'm wrong, that the problem of the Constitution is it doesn't protrude fangs and bite its aggressors. So it might be great, it might be a great document, but at the end of the day, they're not following it. So... Where do you think this all goes here? Because, I mean, they, these are strong words. Is it only for that time period, or is this something that's going to happen in our in our future, do you think? I don't know. It's hard for me to deduce the future completely because there's so many things about, like, even the last six years I didn't think would be true. I didn't think Donald Trump would win the presidency. I didn't think all of society would essentially be locked down. You know, vaccine mandates would be rolled out, et cetera. But, you know, what I can say is that, you know, secession is not the same as insurrection, especially when it came to the historical uses of secession in America, not only in the case we most know about, the case of the American Revolution, but also in the case where uh, the Articles of the Confederation were set up and the existing states within that union decided to withdraw from them and form a new union, a more perfect union, as they called it in the Constitution. That was another form of secession. The lower three counties of Pennsylvania seceded and formed the state of Delaware. Part of what was Massachusetts seceded and formed the state of Maine in 1819, I believe. Um, What is now Tennessee used to be part of North Carolina. There's all these situations that happened peacefully. They weren't attempts to overthrow government. They were attempts to live, live free, live our own way, be more autonomous, be more local, and think and act locally. There's nothing more American than that. You know, thinking of seceding, it's kind of hard to secede from the Minnesota Department of Revenue. That's not a peaceful process. Boy, they have like a big <laughs> test of things you got to do. <laughs> now, you probably know better than I do, but I, I, I get people all the time, supporters actually for a that leave the state, and they tell me about this stuff. It's insane. I think there was 27 um, allegations or um, things that they levied at the British throne. Um, talk about some of those and, and what that meant to the people at the time to form this document. Oh yeah, I mean, if you just look at the Declaration of Independence today, I really recommend viewers that are seeing this today, just take a look at it and compare it to modern times. I mean, there's things, one of my favorites is 
Uh, among the charges to King George III, which was the executive of the British Empire, he has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. Did right? they? So, did he? Did he put in eighty-seven thousand new officers to, to collect <laughs> revenue? Anything like there that? Was, hey, there wasn't. There wasn't that many tax collectors, so you know the situation's <laughs> even more egregious now with the IRS. So just just think of the IRS there. Um, also, he's kept among us in times of peace, standing army without the consent of our legislatures. So, I mean, we have the biggest standing army in the world, I believe, that ooh, it might be North Korea, but th I think that's that might be true. Well, yeah, um, I mean, that's slavery there. So, yeah, they probably <laughs> do have a larger standing army, technically. And, and China definitely does. Right. Um, but all sorts of other things, too, for depriving us in many cases, the benefits of trial by jury, FISA courts, you know, um, sedition charges you know ndaa 2012 and its renewals uh all sorts of civil liberties violations they they charged the king for taking away our charters abolishing our most valuable laws and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments that's exactly what they do by ignoring the constraints the constitution's supposed to impose but it's totally ignored um, you know, I hate to say it, I wish it was true, but the Constitution is more or less a dead letter in many ways, and unless uh, the people wake up to that, we'll never change governors that uh, and magistrates that, that behave that way. For imposing taxes on us without our consent. I mean, how much is that happening today in society? Oh, I'm sorry, fees. Fees, not, not taxes. Just Important fees. distinction. User fees. Yeah, user fees. Yeah, a little different, right? Yeah, you just look at the and it's twenty seven, I believe, um, total charges that they make, and it's like, I mean, other than quartering troops, that's the funniest one. And of course, that was embedded in the Third Amendment of the, uh, the Bill of Rights. Um, it just, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. It's like quartering troops. That doesn't seem to be a big point these days, but a lot of this stuff still matters. It still is happening to this day. It's like so. You know, I look at this document, and I guess I'm not trying to, like, go somewhere with this. I, I have no idea where this is going, okay? But I predict, like, we're going to have some rough times in the future. I mean, first of all, once again, we're pre-recording this thing. So for, for forgive me if by the time you guys watch this episode, we're already at nuclear war. So forgive me for that. But uh, at this stage, and this is, what, Wednesday, Wednesday, June 28th. So uh, over the last... Uh, Many days we learned about a coup attempt in Russia. So basically a mini civil war in Russia, which is obviously a big deal, right? And we also know, like with the amount of tinkering in our economy, inflation out of hand, and the Fed trying to manipulate the price of money, which is interest rates, this thing's not heading in the right direction. So I think we're going to have an economic problem here in this country. We've already seen the early signs of massive layoffs. So it's like, what happens to the government with massive war, and massive uh, economic issues. Because it seems like every time we've had those things over the past, government's usually expanded. And if government's the massive problem here, I don't know what direct, like I don't know how government expands, it's bankrupt, it's absolutely bankrupt at this point. So to me, it's like we are going to have some significant uh, national urge to change things. And I really fear that the socialists and the Marxists are going to weigh in on this thing with a lot of power and influence you know with like well george soros money uh and so the patriots like us need to stand up for this kind of form of government um 
I'm pontificating here, Benner. You're an expert on this. Tell us what is the what are some of the major things that our founding generation gave to us that needs to be in that conversation as we go forward if, if this kind of emergency situation happens and we have to um, either alter or abolish our form of government? Um, just the fact that uh, decentralization, in one word, decentralization is the answer. I mean, even the most ardent Federalists at the time couldn't have conceived if, of an America where there's 330 million people ruled by essentially 600 people. And that's that's really what we have today. There are demarcations of the states. State law does still dictate some things. People can still move with their feet. But the fact that the American states were supposed to be really the principal political unit of the America landscape is significant. We shouldn't have to bear the same kind of you know, impositions as people do in Massachusetts or in Texas or in, you know, Georgia or wherever you are. I mean, we should let people go their own way, not wage war against them, trade with them, negotiate with them. And uh, that's pretty much the primal American maxim. I'll never, you know, think otherwise, I don't think at this point, because time and time again, that's what these people said. Even the Federalists had to acknowledge it during the ratification <laughs> conventions. Yeah, well put. Well, you're a true patriot. Let's talk about your book, your newest book. Uh, I think this was published two months ago or something like that. It's been on my shelf since then. Actually, November. But uh, has it really right. gone that fast? Oh, um, yeah, well, when, but... when did you send it to me? I think your book orders were late because I got the hardcover, obviously. So, is it, or am I really like? Time I think it's been on the set year. for a while there. That literally is not computing right now. Like literally, <laughs> I feel like I got this two months ago. Oh no, it's been way longer than that. Yeah, I suppose Wasn't I, every day under Biden passed like three times longer. It should be way longer. <laughs> I think I think it's like the kids, you know. I think that's what it is. It's like the kids and just time just goes by cuz it's insane. Like you can't like I don't own my nights, you know. I don't own a lot of things. The kids and I love I love having kids, you know. And in fact, we got us conservatives, we got to have lots of kids, right? Cuz the the other side Luckily, they're not reproducing, and the LGBTQ community kind of has a problem with uh, with uh, reproducing, apparently. So um, we got to reproduce and and have a lot of kids. All right, anyhow, this book, talk about it. Yeah, I mean, Thomas Paine: A Lifetime of Radicalism. It's the product of over four years of research. It's kind of my pride and joy. I loved writing that book and everything that ran up to it. Paine always struck me as a character where a lot of things of great substance had not been written the few biographies that have been written on him a lot of them are kind of like give oversight to many pivotal junctures in his life i think and don't really emphasize his radical ideas so that's what i tried to do in this book uh pain was so unique in his time because he literally rattled the political establishments in three countries the th maybe the three most influential countries at their time and you know he paid the price for them in so many ways he almost died seven times in early death i write about that in there too and uh pain was always a character that i think was uh you know he valued truth above all and he wasn't afraid to lose friends over and i think you'll find that out if you read the book Glaring praise on the back cover by, you know, radicals like Thomas Woods and Kevin Gutzman. So, God, you're hanging out with those type of people. <laughs> I still Don't remember. Don't me in January 6th. Next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the insurrection talk. I think the YouTube algorithm's like, Jan 6th, 
Uh, abolish government. Oh my God! Look what they're up to. We'll see if we get a strike. It's been a while since we got a strike, but I feel like this if, could be our lucky video. If you guys fear that part, edit that out. Oh no! 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 We we've made a home on Rumble. Yeah. Uh, the the only reason we put stuff up on YouTube is because it's kind of fun. Why not? It's no cost to us to throw it up on that platform. But we are not monetized on YouTube. We do not give a crap about YouTube. And in fact, sometimes we just. But it's funny because. Um, yeah, so let's see here. Medical misinformation, election uh, misinformation. Those are the two, I think. Those are only two that we've gotten. By the way, no hard position on an election, just talking about it. You can't talk about it. Can't potentially talk about some of the problems with that election. And the medical information one's hilarious because in Benner, uh, man, I wish we lived in the same state during COVID because you and I would have. Uh, I don't. I'm sorry. To well, say. okay. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Yes, you had it much better off. But I could see you and I uh being together against these lockdown orders, which we led the charge man. on. And uh, we had a Mayo-trained, Mayo-educated uh, doctor, very smart doctor, Neil Shaw, in here talking about not concluding, but the potential problems with the vaccines. And that was medical misinformation. I would love to know the doctor and the expert that they had, <laughs> probably Peter Hotez, who won't debate anyone. So, Great. yeah, that, it's that's been a fun saga to follow on Twitter, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. Well, now we all got to care about Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg's MMA match, I guess. You know, hey, all this stuff could could be happening come July Fourth, for all we know. What's yeah, no, the the match uh, and then the debate. This video might be irrelevant. Well, I'll put it this way: that match is not happening before July Fourth. There's no way that's happening. I don't even think it's happening. I don't think. I feel like it's a distraction. I feel like we're like taking the bait on this thing. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, I think the same thing. Yeah, I think the the system is telling us to to follow it. You know. Yeah, it it's means... the product of there being a, a missing 6.2 billion contribution to Ukraine. Look the other <laughs> way. <laughs> <laughs> yep. exactly. Yeah, exactly. And how much have we spent over there? Like over 100? Over 100 billion. billion mm -hmm. For sure. Uh, unbelievable. Taxes without our consent. Like that's, I feel it's treasonous what these guys are doing. Taking money out of my family's budget and giving it to Ukraine. And yeah, let's not follow those dollars, right? Where foreign entanglements, right? Yeah, exactly. I it mean, just just, shows, Azov is just moderate Nazis, guys. They're just yeah. fighting for <laughs> democracy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just watching. Oh, this is Tucker's newest Tucker's newest video. He'll probably have two videos by the time this airs. But it's about how the White House and the media are talking about this is really the, the purpose of uh, supporting Ukraine is for democracy. And then it goes to Zelensky talking about how we can't possibly have elections during wartime. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so they've suspended democracy over there. Wow. Mm -hmm. Like it's crazy, you know, Dave. I got a quick question for you. So, uh, how would you define if if the government actually did follow the Constitution? What form of government would we have? Because uh, you know, a lot of people say a constitutional republic. We definitely have democratic elements to our government. We vote for politicians. They vote in a democratic way within the legislature, uh, and there's ballot initiatives. What what would you define our government as? Well, the original intent is for it to be a republic indeed. And, you know, every time we hear that, you know, they, we need to make the world safe for democracy and democracy is our God and democracy is the best form of government. That's really a 20th century innovation kind of spearheaded by Wilson in the first place. So definitely a republic, as Benjamin Franklin said, we have a republic if you can keep it. I hate to tell him, I don't think we could we kept it very long. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did, was it Madison that said that it's a file form of government democracy? 
Oh yeah. I, well, I don't know that you might be true about that quote, but I'll tell you, like, for instance, if you read the Federalist, democracy comes up over and over in every case it's used in the negative. Um, so again, like if you would have called someone a, a Democrat back in the founding period, you would have been a, a pariah. Like that person would have been made into a pariah. It was an insult. Um, the founding generation mostly looked at the world through English and Roman eyes and not Greek eyes. They mm -hmm. thought, thought that the Greek pole eyes and their democratic systems were failed experiments because it's mob rule. As you guys know, I've heard you guys actually talk about that. It's, you know, it just is the majority kind of trampling on the rights of the minority by a 50.1% vote. Mm -hmm. right. But, the, you know, there were several founding fathers who were a part of the Democratic Republican Party, like uh, Thomas Jefferson. Uh, so what, what do you think about that? Um, that's actually it's not true. Like that term was created post that time. Jefferson and Madison's faction was also was actually called the Republican Party. And the Democratic Party was essentially built by Martin Van Buren to get Andrew Jackson elected. So um, that term mm. Democratic Republican Party, I think, is consciously a, a farce that is an attempt to link you know the the good of you know characters like jefferson to what was a non-jeffersonian party it was the republican party interesting but they're well, all slave owners spenner so we can't take anything what they said <laughs> any we can't put any way behind it right well then well you know everyone but then you'd have to proceed every form of you know, congratulatory <laughs> statement toward like Cicero or anyone else with that. It only happens with the American founders. I've found slavery existed in all corners of the world, you know, for generations and generations. And really, American states were the, the first to kind of liberalize and pass manumission acts. I talk about that in the Thomas Paine book. In fact, five states enacted gradual emancipation laws very close following after the declaration which you never hear about that you know it's slavery is mm -hmm. always called like america's original sin well it definitely wasn't to the extent that you know it existed everywhere and americans were some of the first people to start the, the abolition efforts mm -hmm. Payne was an ardent abolitionist by the way too you know we we chatted about this this morning i kind of think it's a slight to the founders to uh call the united states a republic today just because of how much the system's been bastardized with democracy i mean you don't have the you have the direct election of senators now uh we're on the verge of abolishing the electoral college anybody can vote including illegal immigrants now in minnesota by by the way so it's to me i think it's kind of offensive i what do you think about that? What would you? I 100 percent agree with you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty clear to me that we live under some form of oligarchy where, you know, banksters in the military-industrial complex drive most policy, mm -hmm. and you know, the average citizen has very little kind of influence over their their federal officials. You know, we have much more influence locally. I know you guys kind of focus on that, and that's great. You know, we need to you know raise nullification efforts at a local level to push back against the states and even lower if county governments are being abusive you know get your your city to try to push back i don't so. know my congressman wrote me a birthday letter so um he really cares about me sure uh nullification brought that up that's in this book uh explain that in fact there's um uh a case you talk about i think wisconsin in terms of slavery let's talk about nullification real quick what what is the principles of nullification yeah, nullification, what's typically used is sometimes likened to jury nullification. We're not talking about that right now, although, you know, I'm fully supportive of that. When it comes to state level nullification, that's when the state as a creator of the federal union um, 
decides in the last effect that a law or policy is unconstitutional and by way of that they work to obstruct the enforcement of that policy amongst their locality their territory um, thomas jefferson and james madison wrote the 1798 the Re kentucky and virginia resolutions of 1798 respectively which at the time was to push back at the sedition act the alien and sedition acts um, which essentially criminalized speaking ill of all members of congress and the president so because of that jefferson and madison kind of led kind of laid the cornerstone for a system that completely comports with the constitution it's fully in line with what the delegates were told during the ratification conventions it fits into use under the 10th amendment and it's been used to do things as you referenced like nullify the enforcement of the fugitive slave act because during the run-up to the civil war especially in the 1850s you had states like vermont and massachusetts and Wisconsin do such things as prohibit their jails from being used to capture fugitive slaves um, to, you know, Vermont's Habeas Corpus Act made it a law for citizens to obstruct federal marshals from enforcing these laws in their territories. Massachusetts had a similar law to that. Um, this has also been used to do things like stop efforts to conscript minors during the War of 1812, um, all sorts of things that have yielded better liberty by pushing back at the local level and you know we see this kind of manifest today a little bit when it comes to gun sanctuaries um i think oregon and missouri passed laws on that i know there was a federal court ruling on that but we've seen it you know essentially nullify federal marijuana prohibitions but that those tools can be taken and harnessed and used on every single other issue that's egregious almost. We, we wrote an article on actionforliberty.com this is from may 31st titled minnesota atf chief agent says marijuana users prohibited from owning guns despite state pot legalization let me read this to you Ben. this is a statement from jeff reed clarifying because the the legislature just legalized pot which goes into effect august 1st quote the federal gun control act of 1968 prohibits any person who is an unlawful user of or addicted to any controlled substance as defined by the controlled substance act of 1970 from shipping transporting receiving or possessing firearms or ammunition Regardless of the recent changes in Minnesota law related to the legalization of marijuana, an ind yeah, I know, right? An individual who is a current user of marijuana is still federally defined as an unlawful user of a controlled substance and therefore is prohibited from shipping, transporting, receiving, or possessing firearms or ammunition, end quote. Now, that's a felony act, uh, unless you're uh, Hunter Biden, the president's son. That's not. Um, that's a felony act. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's it's just completely egregious. But in a way, I have to take a step back and say, you know, that's the whole point of federalism and decentralization is that we should have societies that buck that trend and that's not imposed upon them and they can have the opportunity to step away from it. And some places they might do that. I'm not expecting Massachusetts to have the same laws as Tennessee. But if you're asking me in my personal opinion, I think that's egregious. I think that's you know, it violates your most basic rights on in a non to engage in nonviolent activity. So, all right, we got to wrap this up, Benner. Um, where are they going to find this book? Yeah, you can get all of my books at davidbenner.square.site. So davidbenner.square.site. I have both paperback and hardcover versions. I can also personalize them, though I will not sign them. Uh, praise Nancy Trump or, or praise nancy pelosi i will not sign <laughs> on that 
I messed up by that statement, but uh, um, yeah, I'd love you to grab the book. I think you'd like either of them. If you love American history, especially the founding period, that's how I, what I specialize in. Okay. Also available on Amazon. I'm sure they take too much of a cut. So go into that website. It's probably the best. And you are the sole guy behind the Libertarian Party's uh, Twitter account, right? I am. I've had help from time to time, namely from Dave Smith and a guy named Reed Cooley, who used to be our communications director. Oh, we know Reed. Say, yeah. Oh yeah, Reed. I love him. But over the last, like over the last year, I'd say about seventy-five percent of the tweets are essentially mine. I'm not mm-hmm. here to like, oh hey, look at me. I'm just saying, you know, I'm proud of that. We try to we try to maintain a much more radical streak than our predecessors did. Uh, <laughs> and I hope some of your listeners will take a look and subscribe. Are they still funny? We try to try to use humor every now and then. Do I have any do I assume the free. funny ones are uh, from Dave Smith? Then, yes, you right. automatically <laughs> assume that the funny ones are from very failed comedian. Dave Smith. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we like Dave Smith around here. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Benner. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll definitely have to talk again. And when you get back into Minnesota, because I know you come back here frequent. Oh yeah, you're coming back to uh, the area. But you're not going to be in the cities. I got to get back to you on the answer on that. So uh, we'll talk later. No problem. Hey, thanks guys for having me. Good to kind of meet the rest of you and keep up the good work there locally, guys. Great to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you. Well, I don't know. Nancy Trump. I haven't met her yet. uh, (laughs) But uh, what do you think about that there, uh, Mega Jesse? (laughs) Yeah, pretty nuts. (laughs) Oh, Pelosi. You know, there's a a group that's, you know, like a sister group of ours or a, a group that's like an ally. And they wanted me to sign a document on the document because it was like right into Congress and it was something that we would agree with. And and it started with the Honorable Nancy Pelosi. And I'm like, I am not going to sign that document because I am not putting my signature on anything calling that woman honorable. Yeah. Like, like my level of respect for these people. When Dawson came here to start working, he had this illusion like, politics and we'd be like you know, we'd be like the typical political group and he had no idea how little respect we had for these politicians and Dawson's a normal guy well I mean I mean yeah look at him maybe I, normal I well, well normalish what's that I said I've got my quirks you got your quirks yeah exactly but I think you r- quickly learned that our respect for politicians is so small because and and just to kind of put a a bow on this whole conversation. It's because they don't respect the founding of this country. They don't respect the Constitution. They take an oath of office, and they ignore that oath of office all the time. Democrats, Republicans alike. There's very few people that take that stuff seriously. So I don't respect these guys, and that's what we do on the shows. We call them out. The lying, corrupt politicians, and the media that's in the can for the left, but it's sometimes also in the can. Like if you're Fox News, you're in the can for the right side. Anything anti-Trump right there, Jesse? You're, you're the DeSantis News Network now, right? Yep. That, that's what they are, and it's not working. Yeah. Definitely not working. Although they're back into the leader amongst all the failing networks, so they got that going for themselves. There's some some good stuff still in that network, but getting rid of Tucker, huh, bad move. Bad move. Well, thank you, guys. I'm sorry we couldn't uh, take your comments live. Obviously, I think you can forgive us uh, for uh, not doing that today because – you know, we wanted to spend some time with family on the 4th of July. And maybe, just maybe, I'll be reading that wonderful document with my children, at least my 8-year-old son, and explain some of those things that we learned today. So thank you very much, and we'll see you back on Thursday.